Hi, my name is Professor McBall Lover. It's not. Yes, I wanted to give you some great information that you may not know that will teach you how to take care of those balls. Yes, and for girls who may not have balls, but may love people who do have balls. I this is also like for nuts. you. So there is a place, I don't know if you've heard about it, but I'm going to explain it to you, called Ballsy. Ballsy.com, that is. They have amazing okay. products that you can use, like ball wash and nut cologne. So amazing. Okay. And if you want to find out more about Ballsy, and also get 15% off because it's nothing fancier than a guy that has nut cologne. Come on now. I'm a professor. Trust Jeez, me, Lauren. I would know. So make sure you go to millennials.us so that you can get the code and you can use it when you're ordering your stuff for your balls or some balls you might love, okay? So that's ball math. You can get 15% off. So use ball, ball mats, mats when you shop. Yes. You bet. Go right now. You've tuned into the Millennials Anonymous Podcast. And yes, it is your girl, Lise Winnie, and I am a fucking millennial. Today, we got a lot Get of stuff to talk about today. As your girl, Lise, gets you hyped and you comfortable. They need to be comfortable. WRDR and for 98.4 FM. I'm going to have to throw this bitch in the river. Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Millennials yeah. Anonymous Podcast. Yes, it is your girl, Lise Winnie, and I am up, a fucking millennial. Yes, I am. And I, I'm saying so this week is a different kind of week. I know last week, like the temperatures was really rough. Okay, this week, the temperatures are going to get warmer. Today is a little bit warmer. I'm excited about that. I feel like spring is peaking. Okay, it, it's it's kind of like a peekaboo. It's, it's it's peeking outside. You can see it's peeking out the hole with the ground. It, it, we can see that the winter, the tundra, is is raising and rising above us. You know, it's above us now. It's above our pay grade, and we can see that the spring is coming. And I absolutely am excited because the spring is coming. The spring is among us. The spring is here. I love spring. My favorite season, though, is fall. I'm not, uh, yeah, spring is good. Like, spring is the cousin of fall, all right? You know, I don't like that too, too hot, okay? Too hot is too much for me. Fuck hot. Fuck cold. We're, I'm, I'm okay in the middle. But spring is a little wonky, a lot of rain, you know? It's a lot of rain. So that's why it's not my favorite season. But plus, I like boots, okay? I like boots, I like like sweaters, sweatshirts, and all of that. that. That's fall stuff, right? That's fall stuff. Comfy fall stuff. I got the stomach I can't get rid of. That's fall, you know? Spring, you start needing a little bit of it. You maybe not six-pack, but you need, needs, at least need a four, okay? You at least need the four packs on the top. I don't have that. So that's why I said fall. I got a fall stomach, okay? Well, actually, it's more like a winter stomach, but we're just we're going to move past that, all right? But I'm excited that the weather is better. The weather is what I need it to be. Amazing. So I, I also I do this each and every week. I got to give big props up to the guests, even though technically the, the guest that we had last week wasn't actually here because this was a re-air of the very first technical, ep technically the first episode of Brunching, 
but it was on millennials so this was the very first time that ashley and i had communicated with with each other you know we eventually became co-hosts on the brunch and radio podcast which then therefore turned into the brunching radio show so i'm excited that she came through again virtually mentally because we re-aired it talking about medical cannabis she now has a brand new book out so make sure if you've not had a chance to support her you do that go to cannabis nursing solutions llc.com and make sure you purchase her book which is aces medicine so she's explaining because right now the cannabis industry is doing it all right they it, it is exploding you're getting more and more and more medical cannabis patients every day and if you are black like me, you probably want cannabis to get legalized. One, the stigmas for black people, you, it's, listen, they, these are just facts. Black people have been, they criminalize marijuana and black people who have gotten caught with marijuana at a way higher rates than white people ever could see. So if you're black one from that standpoint, so that it's more even in, you know, the criminal justice system and the judicial system, but it also is helping to pay for reparations. So I think it's in what state is that? I think it's in somewhere in Illinois. I think it's a it's a small city in Illinois that actually are going to be paying out reparations to their African-American residents with money that they've gotten from cannabis medical cannabis so i was like okay i i see you i see you so hey this could be a way to potentially get reparations for african americans you know to maybe help lessen that wealth gap we we shall see what happens with that but anyway make sure you support ashley she is an actual registered nurse who is doing the good work to make sure that she's destigmatizing cannabis and people who who need to use cannabis like cancer patients and people who have glaucoma and other issues so she's really doing the good god she's doing god's work and if you're like me and you just you, you do some research you notice that last week i talked about cannabis actually helping women's sexual issues and it is mm. it's happy international women's day okay we are going to see if you're in a state that it is legalized okay or you have a medical card get you some because it is helping to liberate women sexually they've done a couple of different studies that actually show that it helps women who have like sexual some sexual dysfunction okay I, so there you go cannabis has a lot of different issues that we don't know yet because they won't allow us to research it you know that's that's the government for you but it is what it is so shout out to ashley um make sure you support ashley she's so dope so amazing love her love her and i can't talk forever today because we do have a guest we have a guest on she's super 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 dope I'm excited that she's here today. So she's going to give us some millennial wisdom. She's going to give us some millennial guidance and some guides, okay, that millennials can do and all different things. Pretty much millennials, everything in life, finance, relationships, how to work, all of that, all of the above. She has a guide for it. She's like the Generation X Elizabeth Warren for millennials, okay? So she's giving, She, you know, she if if it's out there, she's got a plan for that. All right, so we have Dr. Jennifer Wisdom here with us today talking about everything that millennials need to know in order to really progress through life. So we talked COVID, we talked finance, we talked 
at all things millennials all right so make sure you stay tuned for that so she's coming up soon but before i can do that i have to do top 10 trending topics because there's a lot of different things that have been happening in the news over the past week or so so we got to get into the top 10 trending topics but if you haven't had a chance to do so go to millennials.us on our website and get you some stuff you know we got a couple of affiliations on the website so make sure you go and take a look and check it out so but let me get to it because i talk a lot you know how i do i go down the rabbit hole i do my sidebar to a sidebar let's get into these top 10 trending topics of the week all right let's do it let's get into these top 10 trending topics of the week so that covid bill your stimmy your stimmy my stimmy your stimmy your stimmy your stimmy we all getting a well no you don't get a stimmy you don't get a stimmy and you don't get a stimmy if you make more than seventy-five thousand dollars as an individual i'm just saying if you make more than one hundred fifty thousand as a couple you don't get it but for everybody else you get a stimmy you get a stimmy your stimmy your stimmy your stimmy your stimmy your stimmy because it passed yes it did it passed in the senate so that 1.9 trillion dollar covid release bill passed with absolutely zero notch milch none no republicans not now republicans supported this bill but it passed anyway and they will vote on tuesday on the legislation before it actually goes to president joe biden in order to sign this bill so that everybody can start getting a check and they're saying that this is a far-reaching legislation that includes the 1400 stimulus checks for individuals making less than $75,000 as an individual and $150,000 as a couple, $300 per week jobless benefits through the summer, a child allowance up to $3,600 for one year, $350 billion, billion with a big, big B for state aid and $34 billion to expand the Affordable Care Act and $14 billion for vaccine distribution. So there's a lot of stuff that went in that bill, a lot of stuff that will help a lot of people. Now, a lot of Republicans are pushing back. They're saying that, oh, we, we putting a lot of money out now to have to pay it back later, which is hilarious to me because under your Donald President Donald Trump, y'all just was like, fuck it. Let's just throw the, the whole checkbook out the window. And that's exactly what y'all did. And then now it's like, oh, you know, the money now you're now you're being fiscally responsible that's just fucking hilarious to me and joe biden he marks bloody sunday by signing the voting rights order and it's a new executive order that president joe biden says that it will direct federal agencies to take a series of steps to promote voting access yeah so yeah. big rounds of applause for him because states like georgia are trying to pass laws that will disenfranchise black voters at much higher rates so he, he passed this and basically what it will do it directs federal agencies to expand access to voter registration and election information it calls on the heads of these agencies to come up with plans to give federal employees time off to vote or to volunteer as non-partisan poll workers shout out to him for making it trying to make it easy for all americans all eligible americans to vote if you are an eligible voter you should be able to vote and uh, conversations about guess what Meghan markle and prince harry are growing louder yes 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 Oprah winfrey yes big o did an he interview did with Meghan markle and prince harry and she dropped some bombs on him. yes the queen she snatched her whole wig she snatched her whole wig she don't have no edges 
because she gave up the deets. So basically she said someone in the White House had a conversation with Prince Harry about how dark, how dark her baby's skin tone might be. And she wouldn't say who it was. People are speculating it was the queen because she said, I don't want to say because it could, it, re it really would show them in a bad light and I don't want to do that. But people are saying it's the queen and now other people have come out. I think People Magazine said that it was not the queen or Prince Philip that actually asked about the baby's skin tone. Now, now I'm looking at William. Okay, now I'm looking at William with the side eye, William. Listen, listen, I'm looking, I'm looking at you now. I, I don't know what to think about this. And Meghan Markle also said that she contemplated suicide. She said because of how the media over there was depicting her because of, I guess, the very strict rules and regulations, all the stuff that was going on internally. She just didn't know how to handle it. And this was right before he decided to pull away from, you know, works with the royal kingdom i guess you can say now listen to be sidebar to a sidebar and if you're what the hell do we still need a queen but what how, why do why is it that we have people that are considered royal just because they was born let's get rid of that you know i just i say let's get rid of it it, it doesn't need to exist i don't see the purpose of it she doesn't really rule anything like let's just get rid of it people are not royal people are people there's no such thing as royalty it does not exist somebody gave somebody that title and we went okay L let's just get rid of that shit because i think i think it, it gives an air of superiority um it, it makes people believe that other people are higher in stature than others and that is absolutely positively fucking false like let's just get rid of that shit like I, that's me that's mine it's my opinion that's me that's me and someone else who also agrees that we need to get rid of royals is bill maher um and speaking of bill maher he has gone viral on black twitter Yes, he has. And the reason why he's gone viral is because Charlemagne the God, who was a guest on The Real Time with Bill Maher, which I watch every single week. Shout out to Bill Maher. He shared a clip of him on the show and the conversation was about Coca-Cola, who is facing some backlash in the news right now. So basically, a lot of conservatives are really going after Coca-Cola because there's some allegations of anti-white rhetoric. Yeah, and they're saying that there was an internal whistleblower. Okay, now they like whistleblowers on the conservatives. They, they need to make up their mind, okay? But this internal whistleblower actually released a screenshot of a diversity training where in the materials it actually says or encourages staff to be less white you wrote that like I, I don't know why they thought that was a good idea at the time and i'll talk about that in a minute but they wrote it okay and so bill maher was kind of up in his feelings about that he's like i don't know what it means to be less white how do you be less white and so charlemagne rebutted it back and he said well less white means using your privilege for good acknowledging that you do have privilege over other groups and you know i'm paraphrasing of course so that's what he was saying by being less white. He said, if you're straight, make sure you are using your privilege of being a, a straight individual to help LGBTQ people. If you are a man, make sure you're, you know, using that privilege to help women. And it went viral. Yeah, the, the clip went viral. Um, Black Twitter is not happy about it. They love Charlemagne's response to it. And I love, I, 
I can appreciate Charlemagne. I look up to him. We're not, he's not that much older than me, but I look up to him and the things that he was able to accomplish. And he kind of like speaks his mind and he says what he means. And I love a fucking person that can speak their mind and is not afraid to say what they're going to say, despite who is in the room. Now, what I will say is this. I don't think the response to it really made that much sense to me because still at the end of the day, Bill Maher was sitting there looking at him like, I still don't know what it means to be less white. Bill Maher's very, he's a 60 some year old white man and that has money and it's kind of hard to, and he's been wealthy. He's been white his whole life and he's been wealthy for a long time. So I don't think it's just certain things he's just not gonna see, right? I think the best way to have rebutted this that I think would have been more like, okay, I kind of get what you're saying. Instead of saying, well, that's what that means because people can interpret be less white many different ways. But I think that what you should have said was, let's look at it this way. We have a problem in America, period, where being white is the standard. So much so that you're saying, I don't know what that means because whiteness is the standard. So if you are acting, quote unquote, white, that's the good thing. So there's nothing bad about it, right? Whereas if you tell somebody you need to act less black and he's asked that to Bill, like, would you have known what that meant? And he would have said yes, because basically if you tell somebody to be less black, you mean I don't use Ebonics, don't be loud, you know, you kind of got to reel it in. That that's what it means to be less black. And you would if somebody wrote that, you would know what it means. Right. That's a problem. So it means that the standards that we're placing on race we're placing on them based on stereotypical behaviors and some people have higher standards placed to their race than others the problem is the fact that they have a standard on it and then you thought to yourself there's nothing wrong with being white i don't know how to be less white because that's the standard that's how people should act that that's pretty much in his mind what when he saw that and heard that is what he thought the issue with saying it that way is because when you people start getting offended People stop listening. They, they shut down. They're like, oh, I don't want to hear it. Mm-mm-mm. Nope, I don't want to hear it no more. Nope, I'm done. You kind of have to meet people somewhat where they are. If you really want to get stuff going, you've got to meet people where they are. That's like if you've had a, a, an argument with somebody and you're just yelling at them and just saying all this nasty stuff to them, they're not going to listen to you. But if you sit down and you have a conversation and you use language that they will one understand and then two that they can accept you can start to move forward i think whoever wrote that in coca-cola probably need to go back to hr 101 i i don't <laughs> know what how, why sway you would do that but and it's not even just from what it is it's just that people now people not gonna listen like what why would you like that don't even make sense to me just it just doesn't and unfortunately an ohio college student dies yes guess why because of an alleged hazing incident so stone faults he's 20 years old he's a sophomore at bowling green state university he was a new member of phi kappa alpha fraternity and he was allegedly hazed during an initiation event which he was made to drink an alcohol in excess it looks like the fraternity will be facing some punishment over this and i don't know if criminal charges will be filed but we shall see and uh, my heart goes out to the family of uh, stone folks 
And billionaire Mackenzie Scott has married a science teacher. Yes, she has moved on from Jeff Bezos, which was at her children's school. And she it's been two years. I didn't know it has been that long. It's been two years since her and Mr. Bezos have actually divorced. And it says that Jeff Bezos actually likes the guy. He says he's a good guy. So that's all good for her. And Mackenzie seems to be a dope-ass lady. If it wasn't for Mackenzie Scott, uh, I call her Bezos Mackenzie Scott, there would be no Jeff Bezos. So I want y'all to know that. Without Mackenzie Scott, y'all wouldn't be able to get Amazon. All right. All millennials just gasped a little bit, especially my younger ones in Generation Z. I know y'all would. <gasps> you had to wait. Yes, you had to wait and you couldn't pay $12.99 for free shipping. It, it just that just wasn't possible. OK, so she made that possible. Shout out to Mackenzie Scott. She's given over four billion dollars. She's still worth 54 billion dollars of her wealth to organizations which is something that jeff bezos didn't do and that's one of the reasons why he's one of the richest men in the world because he doesn't fucking pay taxes and he very rarely donates to anything which is starting to change now but mckenzie just was dope she's just a dope lady so and congratulations to her on on her new nuptials all right and coming to america yes coming to america came coming to america too dropped and it came all the way to america and everywhere else and it was on Speaking of Amazon, Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, it was on Amazon Prime. A lot of people, it, it's mixed reviews. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. Now, I, I'm just sidebar to a sidebar. So I, I see a lot of people going back and forth with this movie. A lot of people are kind of like, uh, you know, I really, really loved it. It wasn't supposed to be better than the first. Um, I get it. Cause, But at the end of the day... I think that it's okay if you don't like something. That is quite all right if you don't like the film. We cannot do that and keep saying, well, you know, we, we have to judge it differently, you know, because no. And for me, here's my review of the movie. I thought it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen. Like, I know some people are being a little ridiculous with their critique, to me, in my opinion. I don't think it was the worst movie I've ever seen. I also watched Tom and Jerry. Didn't really, it, that wasn't for me. But with Coming to America, a lot of people didn't want him to remake this to begin with. So let's start there. There was a lot of people that were saying, just leave it alone. I'm one of those people. I fucking hate remakes. I don't know why we keep doing that. I was like, but with this film, I felt like I, it felt like something was missing. If for the longest time I was sitting there thinking, what the hell is missing? Like, it's missing something. And then I was like, I think what was missing was character development. We got introduced to a shit ton of a lot of new characters that we didn't get a chance to know. And the reason why is because they focused on the original characters taking it back to the original storyline. So and that is why a lot of people are judging it, saying it wasn't as good as the first, because they are they literally followed the same storyline as the first one and that is why this was like okay uh, yeah no it, it's not this is not as good as it could be and i think that it could have been better if they would have just focused on the new characters followed them like we learned little bits of nuggets about these new characters but not a lot of information. They should have focused on the son. Should have focused on the daughters. We should have learned the backstory of the daughters. We focused on all of the same characters that we focused on in the first film. And that is why this film felt flat to me. Like it, it felt rushed because we didn't get introduced to these characters well enough. And 
And guess what? It was All-Star Weekend. Yes, it was. It was All-Star Weekend. And that is what we had. We had stars all weekend. So, again, LeBron James and Kevin Durant went, they faced off. LeBron James is a team captain. I don't know. This is like 17 years that he's been in the All-Star. And I don't know how many times he's been a team captain, but it's been a lot. Okay? And he's won, like, every goddamn year. So, he has another career. If he can no longer play basketball, he should be a general man. But anyway, Team LeBron won again, so shout out to them. We saw Giannis was the MVP of the All-Star Game. Anthony Simmons, I believe, won the dunk contest. Steph Curry won the three-point contest. And the CDC lightens restrictions. Yes, yes, those are some good news. They say if you've been vaccinated, okay, listen close. If you've been vaccinated, you can gather indoors without a mask and you can actually hug your loved ones for the first time in what two years so shout out a hand round of applause now they are saying don't travel which seems ass backwards to me so you can gather indoors and you can hug your family and you can gather indoors with strangers but you can't travel yeah that shit just don't make no sense but they say don't travel so don't travel but y'all can hug each other and you can gather indoors so that's 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 beautiful okay that's beautiful that's lovely strong for that so this has been your top 10 trending topics of the week let's get into this interview with dr jennifer wisdom yep oh i see you're a millennial aren't you yeah so Oh, look at me. Look at me. I'm a 90s kid. <laughs> I miss Blockbuster and Tamagotchis. The 90s were the best. All right. We have a guest today. I'm so excited. Um, we are going to be talking about a bunch of different things. We are going to talk about the perspectives of millennials and how millennials are seen and viewed in the world and all of that jazz. We have Dr. Jennifer Wisdom, PhD, MPH here. She's an adventurer. She's a consultant, a fellow podcast host. She is also the doctor of philosophy. She has a doctorate and the author of the Millennials Guide to pretty much everything. Welcome to <laughs> Millennials Anonymous. How are you doing today? Thank you. I am amazing. Thanks so much for having me. What a pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I want to really, really pick your brain because you have you're a wealth of knowledge. You have so much knowledge to give millennials and we get so much slack, like it, a lot, a lot, even yeah. when it's not even our fault. We, we right. get it all. <laughs> we get it all. But before we get into that, I, we have to learn a little bit about you. So you come from a very, very interesting background. You were a middle-class suburban girl from the South who eventually moved all the way West. You worked in the healthcare field. You've been in government, education, and the military. Yep. How did you, how? Like, how did you <laughs> Yeah, I, w I want to experience everything in this lifetime. Yeah. Well, so I grew up in the South. I joined the military because my family didn't have money for college. Okay. And then I uh, got to travel and do fun things as a photojournalist in the Army, which was amazing and crazy and terrible and wonderful all at the same time. And then uh, went to graduate school on the GI Bill and uh, have moved around East Coast and West Coast and um yeah i'm trying i'm trying to do a little bit of everything and the the millennials guides have been my new newest passion project because i just can't stand that so many people are dumping on millennials and it happened to us too i'm a gen xer 
Okay. And they used to bash on us too. I did not identify as a Gen Xer when I was in my 20s and 30s. And uh, I, I just, I'm a big fan of the underdog. And I'm also a big fan of reality that millennials are 75% of the workforce coming up. And there's, there's, there's no way around it. So we, we should, everyone should make peace with millennials, including millennials themselves. And I, I, I write just because I want, I want to provide the information no one ever shares with millennials and no one ever shares with young people so that they can be more, even more successful. And we appreciate that because a lot of the time, <laughs> I, I think that you're, to me, I don't know if the, you feel this way. It feels like Gen X kind of gets erased. It's like, hello, boomer. Totally. Oh, hey, boomer. And it's like, yeah. no, they're not really a boomer. Like, it, it's just, yeah. it's very interesting how everybody's a millennial. So if you are graduating from high school or are if you're 37, you are considered a millennial no matter <laughs> yeah, you get millennials have a pretty broad spectrum of 20 years is a really long time. Mm -hmm. Some of the other generations are a bit shorter, but I, I agree with you. Uh, two things. One is young millennials who are 22, 23 are quite have quite different experiences than older millennials who are 38, 39, especially related to technology um, and kind of how old the older millennials had a childhood without uh without the, the same technology and the younger millennials grew up with cell phones and Facebook and Instagram and all that. So really different, really big difference there. And then as far as Gen X, I totally agree with you. I, I see Gen X as like the ignored middle child, yeah. but that's, <laughs> that's also the, it's kind of the tenor of Gen X. I mean, that's part of, I, I think we're ignored in part because that was kind of the the personality of the generation that we're just like, oh, we're here, we're hanging out, just tell us what to do, we'll do something. We might put up a fuss sometimes, but we're just gonna, you know, I'll be over here. Like that's kind of the tenor of the generation. And so I think with the, you know, being sandwiched by baby boomers on one side and Gen X on the, uh, and millennials on the other, it kind of really accentuates how relatively quiet Gen Xers have been. We picked up a lot of this, the, the movement that a lot of the boomers, like what they did back in uh -huh. the 60s. You would think that there would be a meeting of the minds, but it's almost like, no, it's it's not the same. It, it's different. Yeah. The way you did it is different. So it, it's just very interesting <laughs> the way that that all shakes out. Absolutely. And, you know, older people have been complaining about young people since ancient times. Like it, it's just it's just the way it goes. And I, I think it's amazing that a lot of the really good stuff that some of the baby boomers did in the 60s and 70s for civil rights is being picked up by millennials. And, you know, Gen X is just sitting here, so we've got our thing. But, you know, I, maybe it just skips the generation, that activism. I, I just, I wish there wasn't as much animosity toward millennials. Like, I want, I, I my goal is I, I really want millennials to feel proud of being a millennial. Like, that's an amazing thing. And you, your generation is incredible. I mean, your generation came of age around 9-11, then you deal with the recession, and now you have the pandemic, and you're just getting sucked left and right. You've had constant wars. You've had all this craziness. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my hat's off to you. Again, that's that's why I'm doing this, because <laughs> I think you're amazing. And I think folks who don't see how hard it is, um, you know, that's, that's too bad. But I, I hope they can start seeing that.
Yeah, and one of the things that you mentioned, it's COVID-19. It's something that a lot of other generations haven't had to experience or the generations who are still living haven't had to experience. And one of the big things that is going on is the the vaccine. A a lot of people are, you know, I really don't need the vaccine. I don't really trust the the government. There's a lot of issues. So I I wanted to ask you, since you, you have a background in the healthcare field, or you know a little bit uh, about kind of what's going on and a lot of millennials and people listening may not know what's the importance of why people should get this vaccine for for COVID? Sure, absolutely. And to clarify, I do work in healthcare. I study healthcare, but I'm not an infectious disease specialist. I'm not a physician. Um, okay. Th- that said, <laughs> I <laughs> I know a lot of infectious disease specialists and I, I know a lot of physicians and in healthcare, of course, there's a, a constant conversation, even in behavioral health, which is where I tend to work around the importance of the vaccine. The biggest thing is trying to reduce the severity of the disease. So okay. even if the vaccine's not absolutely perfect, and there have been some uh, anecdotal situations where people have the vaccine and then they get COVID, it's not nearly as serious as it was. Um, If you don't have the vaccine. So you're much, much, much less likely to be hospitalized, to be put on a ventilator, to die once you've had the vaccine. And as far as people trusting the the government, I mean, the people who developed the vaccine were private companies. And, uh, you know, I've asked all these questions, too. And every person that I've talked to who's an expert in this field says, take the vaccine. Just take it. It may not be perfect, but take the vaccine. It's not going to change your DNA. It's not going to harm you. Um, You may have some side effects initially, of course. And and Mm -hmm. I should say, rather than saying it's not going to harm you, the side effects that are extremely harmful are extremely rare and no greater than with any other vaccine, which are quite mild. Um, There are some, you know, I had an immune reaction after the second dose. So I was feeling kind of sick, kind of like when I get a flu shot. Okay. Kind of that. It was a little worse than that. Um, but I, I think that's a small price to pay. I joke for being invincible, which I'm not <laughs> invincible. <laughs> but that's, you know, having some side effects and feeling kind of yucky for a couple of days is a small price to pay for significantly reducing your risk of mortality. I agree with that. And I think that some people are also a little weary because everyone wasn't necessarily included in this trial. As as, yeah. as far as I totally. know, I think that it was heavily male. And then, of course, they did also do some surveys on race as well. And even though I don't really think that's going to impact people as far as the, the shot itself, but we've seen some discrepancies or or you know between people of color like you know with me and my community not wanting to get it because of historical things although it's not coming necessarily from the government what do you say to people who are like i'm a woman they didn't really include me we still don't know about children you know people of color weren't really included those are great Great questions. And those are significant concerns in the healthcare field generally about testing for any kind of intervention. And okay. the National Institutes of Health, where I, I work a little bit with research funding from them, uh, have a number of initiatives to increase representation of underrepresented groups, including women, people of color, children, pregnant women uh, in research. 
I do see from from my perspective, and I do research related to substance use treatment. So our vulnerable populations, and then vulnerable within vulnerable, like pregnant women who use substances. So, I <clears throat> my concern is that the saying that women weren't included, mm -hmm. I think is 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 not quite accurate. And I would say okay. I don't I I don't have the exact numbers on this, but my understanding is that women were included just potentially not to the proportion that they're represented in the population and most likely the same with people of color and certainly the the rush to get out the vaccines for the most vulnerable groups which are the elderly and adults with with issues mean meant that with health issues meant that um children were not the highest priority just in the first rush you know and, and thinking back to a year ago when things were absolutely crazy and everyone was rushing to to try to keep thousands and thousands now half a million people from dying of this so that said i think in again in healthcare it's a big question because on the one hand you want to make sure to include everyone mm -hmm. in trials uh, equally represented and that there's enough people to be able to understand any differential impact on women or on people of color on women of color on all the different groups uh, because traditionally they've been not included on the other hand most of those groups who have traditionally not been included have skepticism about mm -hmm. their safety, about the value of the trials, and about whether it, it's safe for them to take part because of that history of disenfranchisement and being treated extremely poorly and, and unethically in, in treatment. So then it becomes this challenge of how do you recruit people into trials when they don't, some of them don't feel don't trust that the trials will take care of them but That's then true. if they're underrepresented in the trials then they don't trust what comes from that so this is a big problem this mm -hmm. is a big problem and i think one of the biggest things that that helps make this better that ameliorates this problem is having more people of color more women more underrepresented groups represented in the medical field themselves when you have women of color leading a clinical trial that says something that's different than when you have a white man leading a clinical trial, which is what the norm has been for for many years. Yeah, that very, very true. And speaking of COVID, everything yeah. has changed. Oh, yeah, everything has changed. So l let's talk about post COVID, um, which <laughs> is, is a dream that we have. We can dream the dream yes. that it's coming soon. <laughs> things will be different. But how will will COVID impact us, especially millennials? Because it, it kind of changed the way we worked. So a lot of people went from working in an office to now their home. People went from learning in a face-to-face -face environment and now their home. What happens after we have to go back to real life? Right, right. Well, I, I have a few thoughts. One is... I'm not sure things are going to go back to the same way they were. Okay. And I'm not so sure that's a bad thing. You know, everyone needing to commute into the office and sit there for eight hours and then commute home was not necessarily healthy. On the other hand, it's not necessarily a good thing that people are having to foot the cost of their office, sometimes their laptop, their Wi-Fi, their electricity that used to be paid for by their employer. And some employees are providing reimbursement, but many are not. And then I think there's also challenges related to kind of how we socially get mm -hmm. along with each other. 
and kind of the the developmental task of people in their 20s and 30s, millennials right now, is to develop more close relationships and intimate relationships. And typically people in their 20s and 30s pair off, they they form uh, intimate relationships, they maybe have kids in that age. And that's, you know, it's hard to have a kid over Zoom. That doesn't work, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. work very well. Damn near yeah. impossible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So then that's, you know, one more thing on top of 9-11 and the recession and all this other stuff that that kind of to me, it makes us have to reconsider what those developmental kind of milestones should be. And I'm not I'm not saying developmental milestones to make millennials sound like kids because they're not that we have developmental milestones as adults and, mm-hmm. and the kinds of things that we tend to do in different ages and different age groups. And, and this will throw a wrench into that for millennials. That said, I think what an amazing opportunity for technology, for creativity, for innovation, you know, during the toughest times in this country and around the world, that's when cool stuff comes out. And millennials are poised to really be able to take advantage of that, to recreate work. They've already changed work-life balance significantly you know baby boomers were all work all the time mm-hmm. you know everyone else should do that too gen x we just didn't say anything but now millennials are here saying no i have a life outside of work and i'm not going to be sitting at the office for 50 hours a week because you tell me i need to be sitting there i have other things i want to do and then of course the older generations are like how dare you that sounds reasonable we don't want that <laughs> so you know so that's happening but again millennials are going to be 75 percent of the workforce your generation gets to rewrite the rules and i hope you do i hope you write that rewrite them in ways that are empowering to the workers that are empowering to people with families that are empowering to groups that typically have not had the same opportunities to have a seat at the boardroom table including women and people of color and lgbt individuals and others here's the chance let's rewrite this stuff I, I I see the change. Like I slowly see the change happening. But like I said, it's very hard, especially in in the workplace in corporate America, for a lot of millennials because we get this label of they're entitled. Yep. Millennials are lazy, and so it's it's very very hard to move up like the the corporate the corporate ladder. So you wrote. A guide for us millennials, <laughs> the, the millennial guide. <laughs> I did <laughs> the leadership. What what's wrong with with millennials and when it comes to the bosses, the people that are at the top when they're looking at millennials, like ah, I don't know if you're you you're not quite ready. That's you're too entitled. You're moving too fast. What should millennials be doing? Oh boy, that's a lot. Uh, Okay, so yes, I wrote Millennials Guide to Work was the first one. That's for people who are newer to the workforce and who who need to learn basics at work. And that started because I had been meeting with this group of millennials and about work things that I would always point to management and leadership. And one of them finally said, just exasperated, you keep telling me how to be a leader. I'm not ready to be a leader. I just want to know how to deal with my boss. So I thought, (laughs) oh, okay, so let's try that. And then I... I I looked into what other books were out there for millennials and all of them were at the time, a few years ago, were teaching Gen X and baby boomers how to deal with you all like your zoo animals or something or some new new breed of people or something (laughs) like, okay, who's out here on the millennial side? So that's when I started moving into that. Okay, so there's there's 
plenty of guys. It's, it's practical. It's easy to digest stuff. It's lots of options. There's a lot of choices for how you can move forward when you go to a specific problem like my boss is um, undermining me or my colleague is taking credit for my work or I'm not motivated or whatever, right? So whatever the issues are. As far as how millennials are seen, you know, I, you know, came coming up as a Gen Xer, I experienced some of that same comments, some of those same comments just without the millennials label. So okay. it was this sense of you should be, you know, you should definitely demonstrate ambition, but not too much because then you're getting ahead of yourself and you have to have the job to get the experience, but you have to have the experience to get the job. <laughs> and and anyone who's pretending that millennials created these problems is just fooling themselves because these have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I also hear that millennials are entitled. I think there's a part of that that is, you know, it, it is true that millennials have more creature comforts than those of us in the the older generations grew up with. I mean, we didn't have our own TVs, much less phones, but still that doesn't mean someone's entitled. And okay. on my, my podcast that I do, I have yet to find a millennial who's only working one job. Everybody I talk to is hustling. They are doing like (laughs) four things at once. They're, They're doing a main job. They have their side hustle. They're running a podcast. They're writing a book. They're doing all this stuff. And I also see millennials saddled with extensive student loan debt, which is also something that my generation dealt with much less and baby boomers much less too. And keeping in mind also that the the world has changed. You can't go to state college for a couple thousand dollars a year and get a job or, or have no college and get a job in your community that's blue collar, white collar, and be able to raise a family of four on one person's income. That's mm-hmm. not possible. And then when you add 30,000 or 50,000 worth of student loans to that, and then you're going to yell at people for living, moving back home. Like, come on, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. <laughs> yeah, we hear that a lot. Like yeah. every millennial's living in your parents' basements. Like we're there for a reason. Right, right, <laughs> right. And and the world has changed so much. And I think there's a sense. I mean, I I have to imagine there's a sense among the people who are older who are looking at millennials and saying they get all these toys that I never had. They have, I don't know, air conditioning or they have TVs, they have phones, they have all these things. That's wonderful. And, you know, I I had to suffer. I think they should suffer more. You know, I guess there's some people who feel like that. I don't feel like that. I think go for it. Like, keep going. I mean, I that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that we are doing a lot. And millennials... Again, when you said student loans, it, it hit me to my core. I know yeah. so many people yeah. with with student loans. And I know a lot of people were doing like this 10-year challenge. And I was like, the real 10-year challenge is to show where you started with the student loan in 10 years and where you right. finished. Right. <laughs> That's a scary, <laughs> so scary yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Just trying to keep up with the interest is rough. Yes. And then yes. Ha- all of the young people, not all, but a lot of young people were the last in and first out to get laid off during the recession for the mm-hmm. older millennials. And now people are getting laid off. It's like, come on. It's like, just not, <laughs> not okay. <laughs> yeah. We have had such a, like you said, a, a hard run because we, the recession, like it, it we've yeah. really just been pummeled with, with, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. life. 
facts, which would explain a lot of the different things with millennials. And you mentioned the financial impact on this generation. And that's the part that kind of scares me because when we look at student loan debt, we millennials, I mean, fortunately I I was able to purchase a home, but a lot of other millennials that I know can't. And so that's where you accumulate a lot of your, your, your wealth and to be able to start a family or maybe even to be able to build some equity it's not happening. What do you, what does the future look like? Like, that's a scary thought. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, you know, I really support measures that help encourage and facilitate first time home buyers and especially people. I mean, you can't, can't forget or pretend that there haven't been decades of discrimination against people of color, against women. I mean, when, when my, when, when I was born, my mother was not able to open a bank account by herself without her husband's approval. Oh wow! I'm not that old. Like that's yeah. not that. <laughs> that's right. not that long ago. Right. And so I think, in addition to kind of the the generation wide challenges related to home ownership, there are the, the gaps between the the privileged and the less privileged are getting wider because of these challenges. Yeah. And, and that's, again, something that really, really keeps me up. And because I'm like, what does this what does the future really, really look like for us? Because financially, things are getting worse. We're going to be the first generation to be poorer than our, our parents. So that's yep. a scary thought. And then yeah. we also have this imposter syndrome, which I mean, I'm not of course like you I'm not a psychologist but I think a lot of it comes from social media because we some of us grew up on social media but yeah like me I'm a grand I call myself a grandma mom millennial I, I had an <laughs> somebody said this explain this to me they had an analog childhood and a digital adulthood uh-huh, that's what uh-huh. of how I grew up right but having social media for so long like we're looking at the best of the best people are picking and choosing what they're putting out there so then when it comes time for you to put yourself out there for a career or whatever it may be you don't feel good enough like "Ah, man I don't know if I really should sit here because I'm looking on Instagram and this person is doing yeah that's that's a big concern and I I wonder about that I mean again when when I was a kid, we got the same kind of thing around Cosmopolitan and Vogue and these unhealthy body images, and they're not portraying all people in different in, in um, realistic perspectives. And you know, we 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 dealt with that. Uh, you know, a lot of us have unhealthy body images and things like that. But I'm never gonna look like a model. I, I mean, I'm okay with that now. I think with the social media, it's different in that it's the same generation pushing that out on each other. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's, I don't want to get too analytical here, but I wonder if that's related to kind of this competitive perspective around millennials where you, you generally, the generational folks feel so much pressure to achieve. They see that the deck stacked against them. Mm -hmm. And so they want to make sure that other people know that they're doing great. And, and I think that overall that does harm people. I mean, anything, again, my psychologist is showing here, but whenever we're not authentic, real people, then that's in some ways harmful to our, our kind of collective psyche mm-hmm. because it's, it's perpetuating stuff that's not true and it's making it harder 
for people to be authentic because if everyone's airbrushed, filtered beyond belief, then people are going to feel bad for just looking like normal people. Like that's not good. But again, that's not new. It's just that it feels like it's gone into hyperdrive here with with Instagram and Twitter and everything. Pushing for more understanding of critical thinking, which is sometimes challenging in, in this media infused world around what's real and who am I and how how authentic how authentic do I want to be and what's important to me and what are my values? I mean, that's what the millennials guides all get back to is around empowerment for that it's it's okay to be who you are and it's important to continue to strive for for better and whatever better means to you it's always been hard being 22 it's always been hard <laughs> being 30 you know that's it's just it's challenging it really is and i think uh, you know i i would love that if your listeners picked up on that i'm i'm sending this message of hope there will always be challenges and there will always be hope and innovation and creativity and joy and happiness and you have a choice how you want to pursue that, whether it's just at your individual level of how you want to react of limiting your social media access or thinking critically about the social media that you do see versus whether you want to do that on a larger scale and educate others and, and do something much larger. I mean, millennials are starting service nonprofits like nobody's business. I mean, keep going. It's amazing. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned your books. Can you explain a little bit about because we, we've talked about three, but you also have one for relationships. Can you explain a little bit about your books and yes. who is it for? Is it for every millennial? Or? Sure. So the Millennials Guides series is for millennials, broadly speaking. So if you're 19 or if you're 41, doesn't mean it doesn't apply to you at all. <laughs> um, millennials Guide to Work was the first one. And that that focuses on basic work stuff. Although I had a number of people who were Gen X and even baby boomers who read it and said, wow, I wish I had this when I was 25. Or I read some stuff here that's helpful to me too. It really, it's set up to go through uh, challenges that people encounter in their everyday work life. Then the next one was Millennials Guide to Management and Leadership, which which has kind of the higher level work about how to supervise other people, kind of a little bit higher level strategy. We actually have coming out this spring or summer, Millennials Guide to Advanced Workplace Politics. I'm so excited about that one. My co-author Mira Branku is amazing and really excited about moving that one forward. And then while those have been cooking, I worked with some other folks to co-author some of these. So people with very specific expertise. So got got excited about the election this past fall and, and partnered with Jeremy Levine to write Millennials and Gen Z Guide to Voting. Okay. So look for that one in another two years again. I mean, it's still on Amazon, but um, hope to keep bringing that out to to explain how how the political party system is set up in the U.S. and why we why Democrats are the way they are, why Republicans are the way they are, what your vote means, what how you vote down ballot, how you do all these other things, what the Electoral College is. So it explains a lot of that. I also worked with fourth generation carpenter, which still boggles my mind. Okay. Carl Hughes, <laughs> he has been in carpentry, his whole family's been in carpentry, and he had started teaching at trade schools to teach the next generation of carpenters and said, mm -hmm. I want to do something to help these young people. So we put together Millennial's Guide to the Construction Trades, which walks through. Oh, that's so awesome. No, yeah. so cool. I learned so much. I didn't know what a <laughs> millwright was or a boiler maker, but now I do. It's so cool. So many cool things. And it's such an amazing 
set of of career opportunities where people don't ha- you don't have to go to college, mm-hmm. although you can. It's not either way is fine. But you can work with your hands. You can build stuff. You can create stuff, and you can make a pretty darn good living at it. Our latest one that just came out on Valentine's Day is Millennials Guide to Relationships. So excited about this one. The first author is Dr. Christina Hallett, clinical psychologist. She's amazing, amazing, amazing. So when we were writing this, uh, she's she's one of the most positive people I've ever met, and she's incredible. So she took a lot of the sections on finding your values and beca- you know figuring out who you are and and having happy and healthy relationships. And she said, "Hey Jen, could you take first pass on some of these?" And I said, "Sure." So she gave me all the chapters on breakups and sex. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, breakups and makeup. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I, I love her dearly, but I just find that so funny. So yeah. all right. So never thought uh, when I was in graduate school that I'd be writing a chapter on pandemic sex, but there you go. <laughs> so there is, there is a chapter on how to negotiate intimacy safely during a pandemic. So uh, we, we include all aspects of many kinds of relationships from, of course, your relationship with yourself, which is so important and figuring out your own values and boundaries. And then we talk about friendships, romantic relationships, and uh, family relationships, colleague relationships, roommate relationships. Had a, you know, friend breakups are tough. Moving yeah. out and separating from a roommate, those are tough. That's not, it's nothing to sneeze at. So we, we talked about all of those. And again, the whole theme through every single book is empowerment. We want you to be happy and healthy. We're not telling you you need to have this kind of relationship or you have to love your mother or whatever. Like we're not telling you, you know, love your mother, but we're, (laughs) we're not telling you what you need to do. We're telling you, here are some strategies to help you be happy and healthy, regardless of your choices. And here's how you can think through those choices in a way that can help you get closer to what you want. So that's what it's all about. And I, I can appreciate that the the positivity and the tone in the book that really gives you the steps. Cause a lot of the times we get these books and it doesn't really give you that the like the steps like the how to it's just sort of like yeah it'll get better right (laughs) Right. like thanks gee (laughs) (laughs) this is steps this is if you want to solve this problem here's 10 things you can try that will help you solve this problem and the first one might not work the second one might not work something's going to work something's going to click but it it we set it up like that for a reason which is first is normalizing these things Yeah, and I learned that happy, because I think on the book it says, are happy relationships a myth? And the answer, I guess, is no. They are not. Absolutely. Happy and healthy relationships are not a myth. But it it takes work. And I know there's a lot of times in there, I'm thinking of of the relationships book, and then one that's coming out in June is Millennial's Guide to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, which I am so excited about. Co-author Lisa Jenkins is incredible. I just absolutely adore her. uh, And she put a ton of work into this book. There are definitely parts in both of these books, and maybe even all of them, where we say, like, here's something you can do. And then if that sounds like work, that's because it is. <laughs> this, is <laughs> this is hard. Like, this isn't easy. 
but it will help you get to where you want to go. And you also have a podcast. Where where can people <laughs> if 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 people want to hear more from you and get your yep. wisdom directly from Dr. Wisdom, where yep. can they hear your millennial <laughs> Absolutely. Wisdom sure. So Millennial Wisdom Podcast is everywhere that podcasts are offered and kind of the central hub for checking me out is leadwithwisdom.com. And then the book website is millennialsguides.com. And we have all the books posted there. So it's, uh, and then their books are available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Not that we're going into bookstores right now, but everything's available online uh, for eBooks and, uh, and print books. You listen to me when I tell you, I've read <laughs> books that literally it was just, it will get sunshine, roses. It'll get better. Walk on the rainbow. No, this really gives you some steps of how to actually get things rolling. So I, you know, I appreciate you for coming to Millennials Anonymous. It, it, I appreciate you for being an advocate for millennials fun. I love it. I just absolutely love this stuff. I hope my enthusiasm is coming across. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I, I love the enthusiasm. I love the passion. And it's it's always consistent. You can you can read it in your books. You can hear it in your podcast that you truly, truly, truly are passionate about this work. And that, those are the people that we need on in our corner that will really help move things forward. And anytime you can get information from the generations that have come before us, listen, millennials, just listen. Just listen for a little bit. You don't have to take the advice, but just absolutely listen. So if you ever want to come back to Millennials Anonymous, it is open. The door is always open. When your your next books come out, you know, we, we need to hear about diversity. We want to know, you know, <laughs> we know yep. workplace pilot. We, we need that. OK, so we want to hear about that. So when everything comes out, you get your new series or new books please come back to Millennials Anonymous. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You made this a lot of fun and I, I hope it I hope it helps people. I really do. Oh, it absolutely will. It absolutely will. And I, I appreciate you coming here. Thank you so much. All right. I want to thank Dr. Jennifer Wisdom for coming on to Millennials Anonymous. Make sure you go and you get her millennial guides, okay? Because she gives you a lot and a lot of information. Uh, she's so super, super dope, an amazing person. So make sure you go out and you get those guides as well. So thank you so much for watching and listening to Millennials Anonymous podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe on all major podcasts and platforms and on YouTube's under the under maps media. Make sure you stay safe. I know it's some restrictions getting lightened, but make sure you stay safe out there. We appreciate you guys. Bye.